What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Gabriel Olafs over Zoom video. Gabriel is born and raised in Iceland and talks about how he got into music, started to play piano at a very early age. At five years old is when Gabriel started to learn piano, started taking piano lessons, and that has been his main instrument ever since. Gabriel talked about winning a songwriting contest in high school, which landed him the opportunity to play that song live on television. And that was his song called Absent Minded. And while it was airing on TV, the founder of One Little Indian Records, who's also the manager for Bjork and managed Sugar Cube, signed a bunch of huge artists, happened to be watching Gabriel's performance and signed him to One Little Indian Records. So right out of high school, Gabriel had a record deal. He talks about that. He talks about eventually signing with Decca, which is a part of a major label here in the United States. And we hear all about his new album, which is called Lullabies for Piano and Cello, where he found this old book that was published in 1906 from an antique bookshop in his hometown. And it was all of these very, very old Viking folk songs, some of the original songs and lullabies from Iceland. So he did his own reimagined versions of those and wrote five of his own lullabies in a similar form to create this album, Lullabies for Piano and Cello. And he tells us all about that. It's a very, very interesting story. And you can watch that interview with Gabriel on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Gabriel Olafs. Amazing. So, uh, like I said, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. And we'll talk about uh, the new album you just put out and yeah. uh, everything else you have going on. Amazing. Sweet. Um, so you're cool. you're from where? Uh, Iceland? Is that what I read? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Beautiful country. Yeah. I mean, uh, the nature is beautiful. I live in the capital city, Reykjavik, and um, it's the northernmost city in the world. Uh, northernmost capital, sorry. Wow. Uh, in the world. Um, so, and right now it's an interesting time to be here because um, in June we have uh, daylight the whole night. So, like, uh, the, the, the sun is, is in the sky uh, 24 hours a day. So you have oh, uh, oh yeah because you're way north yeah it's similar to like Alaska yeah. they'll have that uh, yeah exactly somewhere. yeah so it's um it's very bright in a, uh, all night these days and uh, I actually really enjoy that I think it's a nice time to be here is the summer if you ever decide to come I would recommend June. I want I want to come I had a friend visit there and he said it's amazing there's like some uh, there's like hot springs and stuff right. Right, yeah, we have hot springs, and um, and that's how we power the the electricity. The electricity in uh, Iceland is is uh, naturally powered from hot water that we have in the earth. So really? It's, uh, yeah, it's renewable energy. That, that's that's I think that's probably the, the the way Iceland is lucky in the most. You know, is um, is the is the hot 
core because and it's because we are on a tectonic plate oh uh, division, sure. which means like half of half of iceland is technically in north america and half of iceland is in europe wow that's really fascinating yeah. if you're on a plate like that is that do you have earthquakes or is that an, yes no, uh, you do yeah okay. a lot of earthquakes and a lot of volcanic activity a bit like japan or hawaii or something where it's like yeah. we're on a tectonic plate yeah yeah, because I'm from San Diego originally. I live in Tennessee okay. now, but yeah, we would get obviously Los Angeles and uh, mm-hmm. all of California would get a lot of earthquakes. Oh, yes. I mean, in California, um, you obviously have really like you have much bigger earthquakes, I've heard. Yeah. Um, we, we and they always say the big ones. one, the big one's coming. And they've been mm-hmm. saying that for 25 years, but really, it, it's <laughs> I guess there's always a chance, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So do you get like your earthquakes are in what not as uh, intense or they are? They're about like half as small. Um, But but I think they are. I think they're a little more. um, How do you say they come more often? They're more. You know. Yeah, more frequent. More often, more frequent, but I think less crazy. My parents actually lived for ten years in LA, and they I think they they experienced like a really huge one once, where it's like everything fell from the. Oh yeah, Maybe were they here them. like in the Rockridge or not? It's Rockridge. Uh, I think it's the Rock. Uh, there was like a big one in 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 LA, yeah. in, like the nineties. Yeah, this was in the nineties. Yeah, they yeah. Lived, like they lived the whole of the nineties, probably like in LA. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, there is a really big like a big one. famous one. Yeah, yeah, there was and a big they, famous one. They remember that. That's probably the one then because they remember that they they told me stories where you know even the roads were like. It was like the yeah, bridges like, and everything. Exactly. And, yeah. That was the um not Rockridge, the uh I just had it. Now I forgot. Mm-hmm. Northridge earthquake. Northridge, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rockridge is up in San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> I'm getting them. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 1994, oh. Northridge earthquake. Yeah, Northridge earthquake. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that was a big one. That was a big one. And there's wow. a big one in 80s in san francisco where the bridge fell down maybe it was 89 oh. uh yeah the bay bridge which goes from oakland to san francisco and what was really wild is a, a, an old manager of mine back in the day uh mm-hmm. it was it was baseball season world series and it was okay. oakland versus san francisco and they were like the battle of the bay i mean they're literally across from each other which has never really happened i mean to be that close right. you could go to all the games if you're up there and okay. it was, I think, game one of the World Series in San Francisco. And he was at the stadium and, and like people were, you know, it was so loud and people were rocking and they just thought it was just the intensity of the crowd. It just and then, fit it with the, the whole. Yeah, uh, before you intensity. knew it, they're looking over and you could see the bridge like toppling. I mean, it, it was really, really bad wow. uh, up there at that point. But yeah, he said he was in the stadium and they didn't even realize what was going on because they just thought people were that fired up about the baseball game like, <laughs> that's a damn. great story <laughs> yeah. that's such a good story um, wow yeah so, so you're, you said you go ahead. no you go i was just gonna ask because you said you you had you were so you're a musician or, or a manager no no, no i'm in uh, i was i was in broadcasting yeah i was on the radio okay. terrestrial radio for like almost 20 years and then uh okay. i started this during my my stint there and this did started doing really well so i had the opportunity to just leave terrestrial radio and and do this full time which has been amazing and amazing radio's kind of i mean at least in the states is kind of on a 
steady decline. So, right. um, and podcasts <laughs> this are sort of, yeah, yeah kind of got in early right enough to where now it's like, there's some of uh, millions that go live every day, like new ones, but mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the percentage of people continuing after like a couple episodes is like very few and far between. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, it's like, hey, hey, dude, let's start a podcast type of thing. Like everyone's yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to make one, and now. then like they'll put one out, and then that's it, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I mean to keep stay consistent, or not a whole lot of people can continue that. I mean, but, it, um, I would imagine it is a work, a lot of work to like schedule in because I was checking out your website, and you do a lot of, you you have a lot of great people uh, on your show, and you do a lot you. of shows. Yeah, we do it daily. We put one out every wow. day. Amazing. So yeah, I'm able to. Yeah, it's been it's been um, a blessing, man. It's been it's awesome. Um, I wish I was I wish I could play music very really well. I mean, I tried in in high school, and I mean, I could play guitar poorly, um, and I played in some terrible bands and whatnot. But <laughs> I knew it wasn't for me. <laughs> Real quickly, right. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be any uh, yeah, I'm not gonna be a superstar at this. But um, I want to hear about your journey. It's okay. So you said your parents were in LA in the nineties. Were you yeah. living in LA with them then? No, no, I was born in, I was born in 98 and they came home to have me came home to Iceland. And, okay. Uh, so yeah, I've actually only lived here my whole life. Um, and I didn't really, I, I, you know, I obviously traveled a little bit, um, but I, I've spent like the majority of my time here on, a, I mean, it's quite an isolated island really mm-hmm. i mean it's it's a, it's an island in the middle of the uh you know in the atlantic so it's um it's a different i would say i i'm now very grateful for the for my upbringing because it is there's a uniqueness to it and um i think it's different from a lot of i think it's very different from like growing up in a big city mm-hmm. and uh, uh yeah so um I've just been here and I studied music uh, since I was five. I started playing the piano, uh, taking piano lessons. And uh, yeah, I've just always had that sort of um, desire to play music. And, and very early on, I started writing music. And uh, and that came sort of from uh, my love of playing by ear. I, I, I fell in love with sort of... Um, picking up music that I heard on the radio or in movies. And uh, I watched a lot of movies, played a lot of video games as a kid. So, and these have actually really great soundtracks. And uh, I think that's the, I think, you know, I studied classical piano, but I probably would have quit. I have to say, I probably would have, um, I, I wouldn't have had the patience if I didn't sort of find this passion where I was like, hey, um, I could play like cool movie. I could play the Lord of the Rings, you know, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like uh, twelve or something, and I'm like, hey, I, I can, I can play the Lord of the Rings soundtrack um, for my friends, and that's sort of what kept me going always. So, but at five is when you started to play. Yeah, five was when I started to study piano. Was that and... something that your parents put you into, or do you have a? Did you have a piano at the house that you kind of like go over and smash around on, or how did you? Yeah, in? yeah. So my, I'm actually. Um, uh, I, I don't really come from a musical family. I mean, they enjoy listening to music, but I don't have any musicians in my family, which is actually, you know, in my experience, because I have, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, uh, composers or instrumentalists, and they 
pretty much like almost all of them have like musical families. It's like, yeah, my dad's uh, com- like a composer too. And my mom's sure. a violinist. So I'm like the odd one out, but now I kind of like it because I think I got to find sort of my, um, I got to find sort of my uh, voice, I think, mm-hmm. which is, um, which is, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Like, cause when you have like musician parents, I think it's, I think it's an edge, you know? Um, but yeah, because they could kind of influence you like, oh, right. you know, you should try to do this or that you're playing that. Maybe you're playing that wrong. Right. Uh, exactly. I, yeah. And I've, I've actually interviewed a lot of artists that will talk about how they're not classically trained or they can't read music or they never took theory. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, all those things. But like they would mm-hmm. say, like not knowing that was kind of for their own benefit, just in the sense of like, maybe they play a song or write a song or use a chord that shouldn't go where it, where that is. But it was like, oh, well, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I'm just going to do it anyway. And if you were classically trained or you knew theory really well, you might be like, oh, like, why did that person do that? But, you know, you're kind of sometimes you can be kind of, uh, you know, have blinders on to certain other sounds, yeah. maybe. Definitely. And I actually think about this a lot. I talk about this a lot because I'm, I've always wondered like why so many of my composer friends that went to study composition. So I actually only studied piano and theory and everything. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I studied as a pianist and I actually didn't study composition. And today I work as a composer. Um, and many of my friends actually went to study composition, which is um, a whole different. Uh, right, right, and uh, and I definitely have this opinion, and it's uh, it almost makes you sound a little bit. I don't know. I feel sometimes like I sound uh, like a jerk or whatever when I say this, but I genuinely feel that when you go and take a degree in composition, I'm not I'm not saying everyone has this ex- experience, but I've just seen it so many times. It somehow um, influences your taste in a way that makes you afraid so it's like mm. you have you've been instructed so uh in a, such a detailed way what is good and as you said like allowed which chords are allowed together etc right you can't right. do parallel you can't do parallel fifths and it's all these rules where it's like and then you study all these composers and there's like this this um these professors this, that teach you often aren't uh, successful in a way that I've been interested in being successful. They maybe are sort of academically successful, but I right, actually right. the only meter of success for me is in is sort of influence how many people enjoy your music and how many people you can reach. And this, I mean the yeah the success of your music, how 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 far it travels. I actually don't I don't quite understand the sort of academic success composition where it's like yeah nobody listens to my music but I'm an acclaimed prestige composer with a PhD. Right. I'm like I don't I don't get it. It's like and no one's listening to the music. I feel, right. I feel like a jerk when I'm saying this. Um, but, but it's a hundred percent true. If you want to be an artist or you want to be someone that. You, you, unless you want to go teach people how to play piano very well or, you mm-hmm. know, or teach composition, not mm-hmm. having that. Cre- I mean, it's almost like you're closing off the creativity of the, the instrument or, or what you're doing. Yeah. And, and these, these com- composition professors, they have a very, I feel often I'm very, I'm generalizing here, but they have a sort of a, like a little bit of um underlying, opinion about everything that they sort of rub off on you sure and it's and it's like um it's a thing where it's like this is 
this is bad and this is good, etc. And I think I think when you when you have this type of influence on your artistry, you become afraid, and suddenly you want to be so unique that you don't that you don't become unique. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're you're so afraid of doing something like, and especially in classical music, I always hear this. It's like I don't want to sound pop. Like I don't right. sound. I don't. I don't want to do something that's like for everyone. And it's like you get you totally because you have a different attitude. It's like no, I I don't want to do something that sounds too like melodic or catchy or whatever. They're like really afraid of it. And they end up doing something that doesn't sound genuine. And I think sounding genuine is the only thing that matters. And if you write up, if you write, if you have a pop sensibility and you're doing classical and that's you, I mean, you should do it. You shouldn't censor yourself because that's what you studied or, or that's what your friend thinks is cool. You know, hundred percent. So yeah. I think you, you just triggered me. It's something that I, I, um, I want to talk about that. So now I'm done. That's, that's what no, I no, 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 no. I love that. that. No, that was, that's, I a hundred percent agree with you because I, I yeah. mean, obviously art and music and everything is so subjective just because this formula has been done in classical music doesn't mean that it's a hundred percent correct. Or especially like, mm -hmm. like you said, if you want to only be in the classical realm, like writing something that may be a little bit more pop undertone or whatever, it's like, Mm -hmm. I, that reminds me of like when I was a kid and I was like into punk rock music. Like I grew right. up and I was like, oh, Green Day and Ransom and all these Operation I have yeah. all those. All these are all my favorite bands. And yeah. if you told somebody that you were listening to. I'm trying to think of like uh, some pop anyway, some pop artist yeah. of the 90s. Right. Yeah. You it was like you could never let anyone know that it was like yeah. you could only if you like punk rock, you could only listen to punk rock. And you could only yeah. let people know the punk rock songs that you like. But if you kind yeah. of veered out of that, then it was yeah. like either a, you're like a sellout. Like a lot of bands were called sellouts when they signed a major label right. deals or it's like, Oh, like you, you weren't like allowed to like that. And I feel like nowadays, like it, the, the net has been so broadened, especially with big festivals. I mean, you'll have like an Ariana yeah. Grande headlining on one night and radio had the other, or whatever it may yeah. be. But like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of similar to what you're saying, where it's like, if you're writing classical music, you can, you're only going to write classical music and it has to sound a certain way. And because if mm -hmm. you start to be more melodic or it starts to go more pop chords, mm -hmm. then yeah, you're, you're kind of putting yourself almost in a little box. Like box. I, I'm here totally. and I can't leave it because if I leave it, then I might get judged. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's this sort of um, hyper, I think we're sort of exiting that now, maybe. Oh, no, 100%. Uh, where it's like genres are just blending. It's like, I feel like we've had for the last 30 years, there's been, a, as you were describing, like there's been a, a huge need to put everything in, in genres, where it's like, this is this genre, and this is post-rock, and this is like like 30 types of rock. Right, right, exactly. Genre. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, now it does, I feel like it, it's going to matter less and less. And like in 10 years, maybe... We don't have to have these genres. I was actually thinking about this the other day because, like, I made this album, my first album for DECA, and uh, they were submitting it to like awards. And, like, to it didn't win any awards, but they were like submitting it to to be sort of considered for these types of things. And I was like, how do I? I had to like I had to put it in a genre. I was like, yeah, it's instrumental music. It has spoken word. It's. Uh, it's choral, but then there's piano and strings, but then there's like catchiness. There's a pop sensibility, maybe. It's like, where do I, it, it's, it has electronics. How, where do I even, like, why, why do I have to call that anything? 
But I actually right. haven't really been into a label where, where it's like people have to give me a label where it's like neoclassical or like post-classical, etc. It's like of course you you have we have this really strong desire to put something in a genre. I always just say I'm a composer and I make mostly instrumental yeah, music. I'm, I'm, that's a, yeah, that's a musician. Very broad. Yeah, I'm a musician. <laughs> I work with instruments. <laughs> it's like right. A, yeah, but it so, is really um, interesting because, uh, like you said earlier, it's just like music is so subjective. And now yeah. I don't feel like I think the newer generation of of people coming up, especially like now that you have like a something like TikTok, right? I mean, it's yeah. only about what people like, and this pool of people that are on this app either like what you're doing or they don't like what mm-hmm. you're doing, and everyone it's kind of a level playing field where it's rolling through this. Yeah page and if i'm flipping through and i find gabriel doing a video of you playing piano i was like oh that's cool and i'm gonna like it or i'm gonna comment like oh love it and then it's gonna throw be thrown into someone else's algorithm and then that will build whether or not the video is good or not it's not like where you put it up on you know a a different platform where maybe there's what more gatekeepers that are gonna push certain videos over others or you know oh this one only has 15 views so i'm not going to serve that to anyone else like you it almost gives everyone a, a level chance and yeah. that's that's really who think if it's good or not right i mean it doesn't matter yeah. if it's a genre or this or that or the other thing it's just is it good and like you said earlier like i you always wanted to be someone that plays music that people like and it can reach as many people mm-hmm. as possible or it's like yeah, the, my maybe you don't know the PhD level of whatever, you know, these different theories and compositions, but millions upon millions of people have heard your song. Yeah. And I think that's the, the that gift is what, you know, is 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 way more valuable than a piece of paper that says that you you know how to do something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I totally you studied agree. for 8 years and now you are the master of you know, composition, but what does that mean if no one cares or no one hears it? You're so right. And uh, not everyone has this opinion, but obviously we, I think we agree on it. (laughs) Funny thing is I actually was applying to uh, a school and then I got offered my first record deal at 19. I was out of high school and I I was going to go to a music, I was going to study composition, uh, a school in actually in California, uh, USC. I was applying oh, for yeah, UC, huge music school. Yeah. yeah, Thornton, which was my dream school forever, like UC Thornton uh, music, because I heard I heard they like I've, I I am I'm a fan of many of their sort of um, how do you say like the people that have graduated from yeah there. they're like alumni yeah because yeah, yeah, that, that's they a big one or Belmont here in Nashville or mm-hmm. you know the Clive Davis Conservatory in New York or Berkeley School of Music those are all like the big big ones. Yeah. Um, in the United States. Yeah. USC is a big one. I mean, I've, I've had a, a lot of people on that have went through USC. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, I always wanted to go to USC and I was sort of applying to go there and, and then I was going to have a, like a interview uh-huh. and, uh, and that's when I played on Icelandic TV, which is like a funny thing it's like a very small thing but it's like at the icelandic sort of tv channel and then uh, well that's huge for you right i mean your whole country yeah. gets to see i mean it's not yeah, just exactly. a small thing i mean i mean yeah. it's three hundred thousand people that's the whole country that's but that's, that's huge Three hundred thousand people yeah, that are watching yeah. this one station that yeah. you're on 
Yeah, and I was so I was uh, I was playing my first uh, song that I wrote, my first piece. It was for piano and string quartet. And um, is it absent-minded? Is that the one? Yeah, absent-minded. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. It's like a waltz that I I wrote. I actually wrote the melody at like fourteen or something, and then I sort of was working on it for a few years in high school. And then I wrote it because I won like a high school um, comp- like songwriting competition. So the, oh, the, really? the, that piece one, yeah, that's why I got to go on TV. And there was a British man who lives, uh, who has a house in Iceland, just constantly uh, was watching, and he saw me. And he he has a he had a label that mainly was sort of punk music, actually. Um, there was, what was a the, famous. What was, what was the label called? You know, it was called One Little Indian uh, Records, which is um, they they had um, um, probably the biggest like Icelandic punk band called Sugar Cubes. And they had oh yeah, uh, they had sugar yeah. cubes on it. No yeah, way. Yeah. With Bjork. Yeah, and then they had Bjork, and that's what they were. That's why he had a house in Iceland and sort of had the Icelandic connection because the label had sort of was Bjork's manager and worked with Bjork. No way. Yeah, and he contacted me, and that's my first record deal, and that's what, why I didn't go to USC. Or, or I, I don't know if I would have gotten in, but I was like, I was working on it. I was was. Um, was aiming for USC. And then I just said, Hey, if I, if I finish school, where do I want to be? I want to have a record deal. And, and I thought the record deal won't wait for me, but school sort of waits in a way, you know, I could, I could go to school later. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I haven't had time to go back because I went from one little India and I, I did my first record there. And, um, and then, and then I was picked up by, by universal music. Decca. Wow. And now That's we're here. huge. Yeah. And now we're here. Yeah. 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 I was just looking at one. I didn't realize that, that, I mean, I'm looking at their, their list of artists. I mean, they put out a lot of rad yeah. records. I mean, Chumbawamba was yeah. on that label for a while. I mean, the fact yeah. that Bjork, I always forget that Sugar Cubes and Bjork are Icelandic or Icelandic, Icelandic band. Yeah. They had a lot of success. Oh yeah. Bjork is amazing. I mean, she's one of those artists yeah. that were on like headlining one of those festivals where you'd have Bjork and then, I was, you know, <laughs> the weekend or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah or like Frank Ocean. <laughs> I was about to take her as an example because she was she was playing um, she was playing Coachella. Yep, that's where year. I was gonna pull her from too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Man, that my debut friend, album is still one of my favorite records ever written. Yeah, I think like I really prefer her older. I, I, and artists hate hearing that. I think I she's doing a lot of experimental stuff these days, but. I think her like her first three records are just really great. They're like, insane. De- debut post and homogenic, I think is they're really debut. Great. Uh, like I said, debut. There's a live ver- There's a live video of her um, doing uh, human behavior, and yes. she's like in a white dress and with she has no shoes on. And I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to re- I don't know where it was at, but like I could, like you watching that video is just like her voice is insane. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean she's just, I'm, and she's just a very unique artist, and um, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty cool to be on her label. Um, yeah, so you get signed to this label, yeah. decide okay, I'm not going to obviously I'm not going to go to school at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, yeah. So what what do they do for you? Do they put that album out then? Because you- yeah, so I had no idea about music or any or like music business at all. So mm-hmm. I was sort of I was nineteen and didn't really know. I also didn't really. I had no idea that um, 
I was collecting sort of vinyl records and stuff, and I was thinking about music a lot, but I hadn't really been on Spotify or anything like that. Like I hadn't been on the streaming platforms. And around that time, this is in 2018 or 2017, mm-hmm. um, around that time was like there was a huge boom, like 2014, 15, 16, 17, uh, for classical music on streaming platforms. So suddenly there was like a this huge platform that hadn't existed for like instrumental music and especially like music that calms you down like like beautiful like um almost like um relaxing do you know what i mean classical music yeah yeah and they had these huge playlists and and that's really why uh in the end major labels had sort of classical composers on their radars um for the for the first time in in probably years um, because I think like classical music, there was a little bit of, uh, of course you have the greats, you have Beethoven and Mozart and all those. And sure. then you ha- I think there was like a little bit of a dark, dark age. <laughs> you had like Philip Glass and you had, um, like Steve Reich and these, these like couple of guys and pretty much nothing else. And then I think there's been a renaissance, uh, because of the streaming platforms. I mean, obviously they they are also evil in their own way. You know, people talk about how they don't pay as much as they should. And, you know, right. I, 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 for me, I'm just grateful because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be releasing music in this way. I wouldn't have the opportunities I have without the plat- streaming platform. So I actually, I have, I have the streaming platform to thank for my yeah, the career sure. in a way. You're able to yeah. benefit from the, the playlists and, and what they've provided, obviously. But yeah, and like my music, like I would say I'm early stages in my career. I would say I'm like, I'm getting to a place where I have more sort of opportunities. Obviously, like a major label helps and, and I'm getting these uh, opportunities. But but then I like with the streaming it has been going really well since I went to start it out. Like immediately after releasing with One Little Indian, I had millions of streams. And now I'm at like well over 100 million. On my uh, yeah, you almost have two million monthly listeners alone on Spotify. I mean, that's why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I have like five or six across platforms monthly. That's crazy. That's so crazy, though. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a, I yeah, mean, it's a lot of. Yeah, I have noticed. Thanks. So yeah, like like you said, like the class classical music and just like that style is is definitely came through quite a bit in the last few years. Like I've had. Yeah. Uh, like two cellos on my podcast and they they similar you know they're that style mm-hmm. but they were doing like these in, insane cover songs like they do a yeah. green day song with like oh, the distorted cello yeah yes they, i know who they are um, they're, they're very big they're quite they're very big yeah they're like a state yeah. but they're like uh you know they're just a instrumental cello artist you know what i mean it's yeah. it's and just doing, uh, thing. just doing their thing it's wild um yeah because hauser i've had yeah hauser on and he has his own hauser. record uh, his yeah his own label uh song out and yeah, not his is, own label is hauser, but, sorry for my ignorance but is hauser a part of two cellos he's one of the guys yeah he's one cellos. of the guys in two cellos yeah he's okay, one of the cellos sense. i know who <laughs> hauser is i just didn't really know that two cellos and hauser were the same or like they he's was one, one of, the, of the two guys yeah yeah, yeah. he's okay. one of the guys Okay, yeah, so he's cellos. he's actually a wildly, wildly successful uh, cellist. Yeah, uh, he's very concert. he's very successful, and yeah. but he has his own records out, and mm-hmm. um, but he's done a lot with two cellos. That was kind of something that happened out of 
like the internet. I think they did a cover of something online mm-hmm. and then it like blew up. But um, so it yeah, reminds me of, I don't know if you know Lindsay Sterling. Uh, oh yeah. I've had her on the yeah. show too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I feel like they're in the same sort of vein where they've done covers, they've done like cross genre stuff and, and had yeah. success. Yeah. yeah. She's huge. She's, she's great. Yeah. yeah similar though. Yeah. I forgot about her. That would have been a good example as well. <laughs> yeah no I was just I was just reminded of her I actually haven't I I, I remember I, she obviously was very early actually it was like early 2000s she was mm-hmm. already sort of having huge hits on YouTube and and I, I would imagine like two cellos and Lindsay Sterling they probably go on like huge tours they probably play like huge yeah they play stadiums here stadiums in the states yeah wow. I mean they're playing they're playing big like the hockey stadiums stuff here in Nashville and everything so wow yeah, they've they've got stuff going on, but um, well, so your new album you have cello on it, obviously, and is that do you play yes. the cello as well? No, I, I only play the piano, but I sort of um, took an approach where I wanted to make, I wanted to go because I just finished, I had just finished doing like a little bit of a complicated work where I was like trying all these types of flavors and and uh, and instruments, and I just thought, hey, let's go back to something more where I could have sort of a direct emotional um link with uh, mm-hmm. with the instrumentation and music and obviously a piano my instrument was well I, ch- I chose that and then i chose my second favorite instrument after piano which is cello and i, I think love the cello, cello my wife's obsessed with cello <laughs> yeah cello is just it's just so good uh, the only reason i pick piano is because i, I write everything on piano and everything. yeah and- but cello is kind of the best it's just it's too good i love piano though too that's my big one of my yeah. biggest regrets is i had one in the house growing up my dad plays piano i mean he's not like a pro or anything but he he mm-hmm. knows how to play piano and then my sister who's younger than me she was interested in and actually took lessons and she's really good and i'm like oh, i should have okay. done that i was like i'm gonna play the guitar like everyone in the <laughs> world but um yeah <laughs> piano is my favorite Really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, p- the piano and cello uh, are sort of my my favorites too. And um, I just thought that I would take these. So what I did is I took sort of, um, I found this old book. I don't know if I have it here somewhere. I ha- I found this really old book. It's like a ho- over 100 years old. And um, it's a collection of like Icelandic um, folk melodies where, where there was a priest that sort of, this is very niche stuff. Uh, if, if, if for our listeners, I think it's like really funny to talk about. It's not very relatable, but there was a an twentieth century Icelandic priest who collected uh, these folk melodies, and I it's pretty much the only record we have of of these melodies here in Iceland. Um, really? So it's yeah. So it's like Viking. Some of them are like really old, like Viking music. So I I found this old book, and I was like, whoa, this is. It's like reading them because they're written down in like these simple melodies, like sheet music melodies. And then he wrote text about them and where he found them. And he went to different churches around the country, around the island and to different p- people's homes. And he asked them, what, what do you like to sing? What have you preserved in sort of an oral tradition, like singing tradition? And he wrote down the melodies. So he preserved them all. And I was going through them and I was like, I knew some of them. Um, and I, I I picked my favorites, and then I noticed that my favorites were lullabies. Um, mm. And I think lullabies are very unique in a way where it's like every country has lullabies, and they are very special because I feel like they sort of embody music to me at the moment, at least. Where where it's 
they have a very sort of direct emotional quality where it's they immediately impact you in some way. They make you feel something. And they um, offer some sort of relief. They they help you in a way. So they're like, they are made to help. And 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 lullabies, for example, they are made to make you relax and 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 sleep like a mother singing to her child. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's like this really the essence of music. If you think about the purpose of music, um, I think that essence is is kind of captured by lullabies because it's like the most sort of basic human thing where it's like the mother's voice singing a baby to sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was really fascinated by that. I was thinking a lot about that. And I also was thinking about, you have to stop me if I'm going on a tangent here. Oh, no, 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 please, here. please. No, this is what, um, that's what this is about. I, yeah. I, I love the tangent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very podcasty. It's like the freedom of just. That's talking. the whole reason I do that. Like I said, I did terrestrial radio forever and it was like, yeah, I'm going to interview somebody for more. 20. No, I did interview somebody for 15 minutes recorded mm-hmm. and then they would chop it up into like 45 seconds. I'm like, well, that was, and it would be like the dumbest part of the whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But, so sorry. No. Better in that way. Yeah, no, I think the other, million the, other thing, the other thing I liked about lullabies, actually going back to what we were discussing in the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. they are, catchy because you have to be able to sing like you have to be able to sing them to your child when you grow up the Mm -hmm. same the same one that your dad or mom sang to you and for hundreds of years and so they have to be quite catchy they they, they can't be too sort of um weird they have to be very catchy and actually if when you write a pop song today your goal is to to make it become a hit and it's catchy but how catchy does a melody have to be uh, to be a hit for hundred for hundreds of years, so I, I was oh, very intrigued sure. by that as well. It's like whoa, okay. So I made a challenge for myself. I picked about five uh, of these melodies that were my favorite, and they had no chords or any harmonies or anything. So I took them and I sort of arranged them, and I I wrote like composed into the gaps, so they become like pieces in like in my style for piano and cello, and um, and then I wrote five new ones to sort of rival them. Which is was a big oh. challenge actually, because it's like oh, yeah. I can't have it where it's like, oh, this is obviously a really good folk melody. And then the next one is like not as not as good. It has to be an album. So my challenge was to actually create them, create some new ones. Uh and then and the new ones make up about 50%. And then I actually did something. I sent to my label the album when I had it ready, and I didn't tell them which was which. So I said, you just guess which ones are Viking tunes like old ones and which ones are new compositions and they actually got it wrong a lot of the time so that i was like mission that's good yeah exactly mission <laughs> yeah. accomplished yeah. that's amazing wow yeah, so, it's, so it's like half half uh, new half uh, old it's like i would say it's like i'm trying to write it in uh, in a new way sort of uh, um, like through my eyes mm-hmm. uh, so and it's also ancient because it has some ancient melodies in them so I think it's a, it's That's like a really fascinating storytelling thing. Yeah. Where did, well, first off, where did you find this book? Was it something that I was- found it? It was in a used old bookstore. I'm like on a list. There's a old used bookstore uh, in Reykjavik where, where I am on. I asked them to put me on a list. So if anything music related comes in, they call me. And oh. I, ha- I had my eyes on this album because I learned about it in school, actually. I was like, mm. and then I totally forgot about it. And 
And then they called me, they're like, hey, we got this really rare copy of a really old book about folk songs. And I was like, I'll be there in five. And, uh, <laughs> and then and then I picked it up, very nerdy, but I picked it up and uh, and that became the, the inspiration for my new album with Decca. That's amazing. And so once you had the five done and then coming up with five originals, that must have mm-hmm. been... That, that had to be pretty, I would imagine, really a, a difficult project to be like, okay, I have to make this sound authentic, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, but then going back to what we were saying earlier with the PhD guy that could make it, it has to be a certain way, but you'd probably yeah. also want to try to be creative. But you were, it sounds like you were able to do that even with the old original ones because they didn't have, it was only melody, right? There was no, yeah, um, that, that you're totally right. Um, it definitely helped me that they I could sort of arrange them. They didn't have harmony or chords, so I could sort of put it all in the same style. But mm. it was a challenge to sort of make make them the you know hooks, if you will, like right, the actual yeah. melodies. They had to be comparable. Uh, they they had to be just as good to sort of fit in, and that was the big challenge with this one. And also, I would say another big challenge was many of them had lyrics, which I removed. Oh, and, okay. Uh, but I wanted to still sort of maintain a singing quality. And so sort of writing for the cello in a sort of vocal way. So I think like if you listen to the album, I'm trying to make it sound, I'm trying to make the cello sound like a voice, like the mother's voice, if you will. So the cello right. is like the, mo- the mother's the, voice. The, yeah, there's, yeah, they're singing like the, that's the vocal, so, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, did you and work with somebody on it as far as the cello? I'm just looking at your Spotify that you had like a, yeah. a Steinley. Yeah. Steinley Seulatotir is my cello. Yeah, cellist. I wasn't even going to try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's my, um, she's my cellist. And uh, she's been sort of a little bit of a, a muse in a way where I met her and I really liked her playing. So I've been sort of writing. I was writing for her really on this album, and uh, so yeah, it was, it was really a tight, tight knit group. It was just her, me, and and my engineer, who is actually also Björk's musical director. He was on stage with her in Coachella and everything. No and, way. Uh, yeah, he's really cool. And so it's just the three of us really working on this album, and and my childhood friend sort of painted the cover. Oh really? Uh, yeah, it's an actual oil painting. The the cover, which is uh, 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 me playing the piano and, and you, yeah, it's a piano player. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah so wow. it's like completely made locally, um, but released on a, obviously a major label in America. So it's I think that's a funny juxtaposition <laughs> as well. Very local production and a sort of a major uh, release. I, I kind of like that. I love it too. Yeah, the the painting is amazing. I didn't realize that was a real oil painting where it's, you're playing piano and then the cellist is like on your leaned up against you. Yeah, and then the piano creates a face. I don't know if you see it. Like, oh yeah, 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 it, it does. And that's, okay. that's supposed to be like the mother figure. Oh wow! So yeah, it's a very it's a that's very amazing. Cool painting. That's awesome. And then there's a video of you guys playing. Yeah, that's kind of in like, the same. Yeah, the same. As the similar to the album cover, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like obsessed. I'm like obsessed with um, how do you say, like a full circle concept. I like, I love making concept album. I pretty much only make concept stuff, where it's like I have to have the visuals, the videos, the everything. It has to belong to a certain world, which is this project. 
Okay. So I, I like, I, my, my nightmare would be to like make an album and then it's just like, Hey, we just snap a picture of you standing there. And it's like completely no art direction. Like yeah. I need this to be like, this album is red. I knew that immediately. It's like red fire, wolf, Vikings, stories, uh, old books, um, and stuff like that. And, and the, the hall that we recorded this in, in Harpa, which is our sort of music hall in Reykjavik, it's the color palette. So that, that's the red color that you see in the video and, and it's referenced in the oh wow the cover artwork. Yeah. So it's like it's my whole circle. Thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Very, very cool. And thank you. yeah, thank you so much, Gabriel, for doing this today, too. I really appreciate it. No, your I time. mean, I mean, I, I could I could talk forever about this. I'm um, so self-centered. No, 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 no. You said <laughs> okay. okay, what I, I'm just curious real quick on the, the fact that it's light all the time. What time is it there now? Um, it's, uh, for, for AI, it's almost five um, PM PM. Yeah. Okay. So it's Maybe. not horribly late. No, it's not hard, but it's going to stay like this all night. So you wake up at 3 AM and it looks like this. It's Do people, surreal. are people like outside doing stuff like all day? I mean, I would imagine is stuff open or is it like it closed down normal, like normal hours? Uh, yeah. Normal hours on weekdays, but in the weekends, uh, I, I mean, I would say Iceland uh, maybe surprises you, but. Iceland likes to party, actually. Uh, yeah. People like to tr drink a lot. And, yeah, so what? Is uh, it just open 24 hours? Well, there are places open pretty late. And I mean, you could be like, I've, there's been times where, you, where you're with your friends and you drink and you, you sort of are downtown and then you sort of walk out and it's like 5 a.m. or something. And it's still it's, bright and it's sunny. sunny. It's sunny outside. <laughs> it's very surreal. But I would actually recommend experience. I, I'm really... I really have time for that type of stuff. It's more like a teenage thing, but um, yeah, me. Either. But if you, if you yeah, right. if you do come here, uh, I would I would recommend like waking, staying up. Into yeah, I would want to uh, go during this time because I think it's yeah. so fascinating. There's a movie. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Insomnia with Robin Williams no, and Al Pacino? No, what I haven't. It, it's it's like a murder mystery movie. Uh, okay. But it's it takes place in uh, Alaska during the time of the year when it's light all the time. Oh, so and it's Al, a Nolan movie. I yeah, and Al Pacino can't he can't he, like he's a detective and something happens and then he can't sleep and he so he's trying to use like blackout curtains but it's like the lights always peeking in. It's really it's an that's how it is film. here. Yeah. Well, I should watch that. I'm gonna write that down. It's a I'm great totally film. It's a great. I mean, Robin Williams and Al Pacino, and uh, Robin Williams Such plays like cast. the. He's like the 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 villain, which is a really a cool role for him. But um, it reminds wow. me of that. It's it's great. I, I hadn't even heard about this movie. It's crazy. Okay, I'll watch it. Insomnia. I think you'll love it. I. It's really a cool. It's a cool movie. But it, that's what remind. It just reminds me of that when I'm thinking like, oh, yeah. it's five in the morning. It's light outside. But yeah, he has an issue with the. With the light and then you have the opposite i really love this i'm totally used to this but what i am never used to is the opposite so in january it's dark the whole time you get like All one day. hour of sunlight yeah you get like one hour and that's when you get what we call in iceland like like you just like seasonal depression seasonal depression right yeah, yeah, yeah. no vitamin d you just soak no it up vitamin d and, <laughs> and it's like everything's totally hopeless when there's no light it's like darkness the whole day and it's like why even why am i going to work in darkness and then going home in darkness and it's totally miserable yeah um, does it slow yeah. down like the city and stuff as far as like people being out and about yeah and then you have like snow and it's like so it's snowy and dark the whole day 
and you drive and you get stuck and it's like everything's like and then your your car is frozen so when you're going to work it's like you have to <laughs> you have to do the whole thing with uh, uh, scrape the windows and scrape everything. the windows every and it's like if you feels like it's 3 a.m and you're scraping your window it's like and we drink like seven cups of coffee and it's totally it's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> oh wow well, yeah. thank you again, Gabriel, for doing this. I have one more question for you. I want to know if you yeah. have any advice for aspiring artists. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm still an aspiring artist myself, but I guess uh, my advice to someone, if I can sort of give advice um, yeah, to an aspiring artist that's maybe like really starting out from the beginning, I would say this is going to sound, if I'm to be totally honest, this is going to sound... Not so inspirational, but I would say uh, really read contracts. So have a good good lawyer because the contracts these days are old and there's a new sort of music business happening and you really need to read contracts. I would say that can sort of save you a lot of trouble, uh, years of trouble. Uh, so I would say read, read your contracts, but on a more sort of inspirational note, I, I would I, my advice would be to, uh, and this this might might sound a little bit generic, I guess, but like do like make music that you want to do, not that is cool in your sort of friend group or like that what you learned in school is supposed to be cool. So like if if you want to make a solo album for a guitar. Uh, you don't have to add anything to it. You can make a solo guitar or solo piano, and you can just you can do what, what you want, and and that's going to be a better result than um, taking something that's that's uh, organic, genuine you, and then changing it around to make it quote unquote better. It's actually going to make it worse. I, that's probably my huge uh, advice. 